Hello, boys and girls. Welcome back. Uh, Christopher Menning here, and it's on the Bad Bar Podcast. Today's guest, we have Chris Tonstall. Chris is a fantastic guy. He spent much of his career helping and supporting and growing the industry over in the States with his platform, A Bar Above. Now, A Bar Above is a multifaceted uh, digital space which encompasses a YouTube channel, a podcast, and he has a ton of episodes, I think over 250, and also his online platform uh, via the website. It's amazing the stuff that Chris has done through his bar school, online training, and just generally creating a conversation around the world of bartending uh, over the last sort of 20 years. So, you know, Chris is a phenomenal uh, man who's done a lot for the industry. And I think you're going to like this episode. I really wanted to talk to him about how he got started, um, his inspiration, some of the struggles of being a creator. um, And, you know, some of them I also feel. So, you know, it was great to talk to him as someone who's been doing this a lot longer than I have. Um, and still obviously doing amazing. And uh, yeah, I think if anyone hasn't heard of A Bar Above, please do go check it out, uh, whether that's the YouTube channel or the podcast, and you will find the links in the show notes. Um, They've also very kindly given me a sort of uh, discount code, which you can use to go to Chris's shop, where he has a load of bartending tools, ergonomically made, um, you know, beautiful looking tools, correct precision, and great for bartending. You can use that discount code um exclusively through the podcast uh, to buy your items so thank you guys for that um yeah i hope you're all doing well really it's going to be a pretty crazy week next week for me it's asia 50 best bars in bangkok i'm so happy it's been hosted here fantastic news i've got a huge lineup of guests already basically everyone who's flying in i'm asking them to join me in the studio so there's gonna be some really exciting episodes coming up and it's gonna be pretty much quick fire sort of you know i'll release as i go so you won't be waiting as long um, and to be honest, anyone who's listening right now who will be coming to the awards, hook me up. Let's go for a drink. I actually did a list uh, for all of the guest shifts going on in Bangkok. There's 55 guys. I mean, it's mad. 55 guest shifts. <laughs> so it's going to be a pretty epic week. And I think my liver's going to suffer. But anyway, I hope I get to see some of you over there. And uh, just look for me. I'll be the one with the martini uh, at the front of pretty much every bar going. So, yeah, enjoy this episode, guys. This is Chris Tunstall from A Bar Above. Thank you. Benjamin Franklin once said, In wine there is wisdom, in beer there is freedom, and in water there's bacteria. No bacteria here. This is On the Back Bar. On the Back Bar is your gateway to talking to the people behind the scenes at bars, distilleries, and vineyards around the world. We'll talk to the experts in the industry about future trends, people, spirits, cocktails, wine, and everything else. So kick your feet up, pour your favorite drink, and hang out on the Back Bar. This is Christopher Menning. Okay, hey guys, welcome back to you on the Bad Bar Podcast. Um, I hope you're all doing well. It's going to be a pretty good episode today. Um, I'm joined by a bit of a veteran in the podcasting world. He's been doing this for a lot longer than I have. So it's a pleasure to host him. Um, 
I believe it's over 200 episodes now, and uh, we're going to talk about this. Um, his incredible platform. He's also got uh, a Bartle sort of company. Um, there's just so much stuff to cover. And uh, yeah, it's a bit of an honor to have him on the show um, because like I said, he's um, he's been in the industry way more than I have. And I think he's got a few stories to tell. So Chris Tunstall joins, joins us today. Thank you so much for being here, man. Uh, how's everything going? Good, good. Things are great. And I uh, really appreciate the uh, invitation to be on your podcast. I really love what you're doing. Thanks, man. Yeah, well, I love what you're doing as well. You've kind of... Um, uh, probably been a quite a big influence um, to a lot of new bartenders in teaching them, training them, developing them. Um, and obviously that's all from your platform and from your show as well. So, um, you know, I usually always ask at the beginning of the show for people to really go uh, deep dive into who they are and what they do. So I'm going to sit back, Chris, and going to let you sort of um, be the guest for once rather than the host. <laughs> and, and yeah, I'd love to hear about probably how you got started with uh, A Bar Above. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you, it is very strange to be the guest on the podcast instead of the host. Um, so it's kind of nice. There's a lot less work on this end, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> um, so how I got started with bartending, um, I actually grew up in the bar and restaurant world, uh, literally. Uh, my parents owned a janitorial company cleaning restaurants all over California um, since I was probably 10 years old. And I just kind of grew up in the back of the house, you know, in the darkest hours of the night, cleaning restaurants and seeing people come through in the morning and setting up and, you know, setting their mise en place and all that. And it was a really interesting environment for me, especially at 10 years old, uh, you know, with cleaning behind bars and all that stuff. You're just, you take in everything and you see kind of the back bar behind it and you see all the bottles and you're like, that's super cool. Like they're all different. I'm sure there's a lot to, going on with each one of these products. Um, and it just kind of stuck with me. I, I got really interested in it. Um, and then kind of fast forward, I went to college, um, really started to focus on virology and science and all that kind of stuff. And I was bartending at the time um, and bartending just kind of started getting its hooks in me. Um, not very much from the kind of the customer service and hospitality side, um, but also from the culinary side. This was back in gosh, 2003. Um, and it was right in the beginning of kind of that core group of people that just blew up craft cocktails. And back in the day, it was called mixology. Um, and I paid attention and it was only, you could count the number of people in the country that were paying attention to this. It was like six people on the East coast and like six people on the, the, um, the West coast. And they had cemented very different styles on both sides of the coast. And it was really interesting to me to see this start to evolve and gain steam. And I knew it was going to kind of blow up. So I dedicated a good amount of time uh, when I was tending bar into really focusing on the techniques and focusing on how to improve my skills as a cocktail developer and a bartender as well. So that was, like I said, back in 2013. And, um, you know, I thought I knew a lot and I was bartending out in Sonoma just north of San Francisco, which was one of the two hot spots in the country. And I was doing everything I could to get into San Francisco. I was dropping resumes off pretty much every other weekend, um, you know, meeting everybody I could. And I finally got a job in San Francisco. And I thought I knew a lot about Tinning Bar and, you know, the physical side and the hospitality side and the culinary side. And once I got behind a bar, it was eye-opening. I'll be honest. The skill level and the professionalism and the dedication of people at the forefront of cocktail development at that point was just light years behind 
you know, above everything I ever exposed myself to. Because it's one thing about reading a book and reading a magazine and maybe finding a, a glimpse on YouTube at the time, but it's a very different experience living, breathing in that, in that environment every single day and the connections that you develop too. So, um, you know, once I got in there, I realized that a lot of people didn't have access to that level of information, the intricacies that go to working a craft bar, um, not only from the mental stuff, like the stuff you're reading and absorbing in the knowledge, but the physical side as well. Um, there wasn't a lot of information out there about how to use a julep strainer, for example, um, how to use one properly, why do you mix, why do you shake? Um, this was really at the forefront in the beginning of that whole cocktail evolution. Um, and one of the things that happened to me is I got ridiculed a lot because I didn't know all these things. And it was this kind of level of judgment that happened because it was very secretive at the point, um, at that point. And it really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And um, so that was kind of when I decided like, okay, this isn't sacred ground you're not reinventing the wheel. You're not really doing a lot of stuff. So, you know, you're not, it's, you're not curing cancer, for example. So I decided that's when we um, kind of launched our YouTube channel and really focus on communicating this, these specific practices to the rest of the world um, to give them access to it because I didn't want them to have to kind of go through the same experiences that I did um, because, you know, like I mentioned, people would ridicule you if you didn't know a recipe, if you didn't know a technique, if you didn't know how to do a certain thing. Um, and the worst part about it is they would never tell you the right way. And so you were kind of left in this weird area where it just didn't, it didn't work out and it didn't jive. Um, so it just was kind of a, a, a weird place to be. So I kind of, that's why we started, you know, doing the media and doing YouTube and doing the trainings and education um, to disseminate a lot of this information. And what's kind of ironic is a lot of the, information I was getting judged on and kind of the techniques was actually technically wrong, but it was right at that time, right? Because everything evolves. Um, so then I would kind of step back and take a little bit more scientific look at what was happening and the real world um, scenarios behind it and how it actually applies in behind the bar and how you can streamline some of your work. So that was kind of the evolution of me as a bartender into kind of the social media aspect and content creation. And you know, now we have a, a cocktail barware company, but we are really seated in education and sharing, kind of democratizing cocktails. Um, and that's kind of silly to say now because everybody has access to great information, but it wasn't that way kind of when I started off in the business and that wasn't kind of my story, so. Brilliant, I mean, <clears throat> It's good to see like where you sort of uh, where that came from the inspiration to start your channel, and you know mm -hmm. a bar above is um, th there's a lot of information on there, great information um, from techniques to the show itself, uh, and, and once again you mentioned YouTube. Um, how long have you been doing this for? How long has the platform been growing? Oh man, so I registered the business in 2008. Um, so I've been, it's been in the back of my head since then. And like I said, I grew up kind of in an entrepreneurial family. My dad owned the janitorial company. So I knew I wanted to start a business, uh, but yeah, I started collecting information and ideas around 2008. I think when I met my wife um, and that's when everything on the, around the business really started to get serious. I think it was around 2012, 2013 is when we really started to lean in on the business and saying, okay, I think there's something here. Um, and 
then uh, kind of went all in on that. Um, so I went from nighttime bartending to daytime bartending. So that way my second job was, um, you know, content creation and social media stuff. Yeah. Can you tell us about some of the content that you give? I mean, there's so many different mediums um, you have, but what, what can people expect when they log into your channels? Like, um, maybe some of the most recent shows you've done or maybe some of the most popular um, yeah, actually. Um, so when we started the YouTube channel, it was a lot of technique driven stuff. So it was a lot of like long tail stuff, stuff that people didn't even know they were searching for. Um, so it was very kind of focused on cutting edge molecular or um, cutting edge mixology techniques. So we did um, clarifying lime juice, for example, um, how to use butterfly pea syrup. I think we were one of the first in the country to do that. Um, so really, really advanced stuff and early adaptation stuff. Um, in the uh, YouTube space. Um, but obviously all that is kind of past now. Um, but when you go to our podcast, um, we kind of cover a lot of different things from a little bit of cocktail history to technique driven stuff. You know, if you want to learn molecular, um, we have the culinary chef from one of the biggest molecular um, you know, suppliers in the country um, explaining how certification works, how foam works. Um, kind of the nuance of it, of pH balance and alcohol content and what products to use when. So really deep level stuff on that side. Um, but then we also kind of focus on some of the real world stuff behind bars, right? Um, some of it may be managerial. Some of it may be how to make more money behind the bar. Um, and some of it is very culturally driven. Um, that has been a big focus of mine and something that really interests me and drives me is that cultural aspect, especially as it applies to craft cocktails, because I think it's something um, that we've really focused on as an industry over the last you know, five years, um, probably 10 years that I can count. Um, and I think it's very different from a lot of the other areas of bartending in the bar industry. Um, so that has really been interesting um, to me. Um, you know, social equality, all that is, you know, we raise some, some pretty hard issues uh, on some of our podcasts, um, but if you don't talk about it, then it lives in silence. And that's where, you know, the, some of the negative stuff can really happen. So we try to expose a light on it, um, not in any kind of judgmental way, just kind of like sharing um, experts' opinions and stories. And very similar to like the things that you're doing here is like talking people to people that are much more knowledgeable than we are in a subject and just listening. Um, because I think there is a lot that we can learn as an industry from people that know a lot more about it than we do. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, um, yeah, I'm, I'm no expert in, in many aspects of, of the people that come on the show, but you're right. It's just so, um, it's gratifying to listen and be able to share that knowledge um, to the audience because um, mm -hmm. you're right, there's so many facets of, of our industry and even things that aren't even in our industry, but s still have um, quite an effect or potentially we could learn from. Um, so how many episodes are you in now with the podcast? It's definitely over 200, right? Oh, gosh. Yeah, we passed 200, and I think we're just recorded like 214 or something like that. Wow. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's funny because I think we started it back in 2014, and we we're like, oh, we're still late to the game. There's so many people out there doing podcasts. And now, man, we're like old school. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's um, it's such a great um medium of learning i love podcasts really and and your show is great man um i mean there are so many episodes you've done um and i think what's great as well most of them are are kind of timeless in terms of the information you can still go back and listen to most of it right can you maybe give us um 
for the audience your top three or maybe your you know the podcast that people should start with i mean i i'm always really embarrassed about my first few episodes because of how bad the recording and everything was but i still tell people to go back and listen what about yours Absolutely. And it's kind of a funny story because we started the podcast, me and my wife um, kind of co-hosted and we recorded five podcasts and we threw them all away. We just <laughs> dumped them because they were just absolutely garbage. Um, and uh, we realized that we're like, OK, no, I wouldn't listen to this. So why would anybody else listen to this? Um, so, yeah, we, we threw it all away and um, and kind of started fresh. And um, and yeah, it's 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 been a lot of fun. But as far as like top um, you know, if you're, if you're looking to kind of get into the podcast, I have a lot that I, I really enjoy. Um, you know, there's been some phenomenal guests on the podcast throughout the years. Um, and, uh, I, there's so many, I can't even, um, tell you, but I think one of the ones that I really enjoyed was right in the beginning of the pandemic, I interviewed, uh, Chris Elford from Navy strength. And there was a lot of conversations going around to go cocktails and nobody's figured it out at this point. It was like early early phase one pandemic. And um, so I, you know, scoured Facebook, I reached out to my contacts. I'm like, who can give really, really good advice on a to-go program and how it applies to a craft cocktail world and some of the things that we might not think about. And his name came up and I know him by reputation. So I reached out to him. I'm like, Hey, here's the deal, man. I'd love to share your information if you're cool with it. Um, because I think there's a lot of bars out there suffering right now, and I'd love to give them a head start and give them best practices from somebody that actually knows what they're talking about. And he joined me on the podcast and he laid it all out. He's like, this is what we do. This is what I concentrate on. This is what to avoid. This is how to think about it. Um, you know, it's an, it's an extension of the hospitality that you give somebody when they're sitting in front of your bar, that has to be the thought that goes into your to-go menu. And then he gave really specific details about, you know, what, what he noticed was you can't do one-off cocktails. You have to do big batches because your margins aren't there. And if you don't have your margins, you're not gonna survive. So he gave some really kind of detailed, focused information. And hopefully, you know, that helped a lot of bars transition into doing a to-go cocktail menu if they were able to um, and survive. Um, so that was one of my favorite ones, um, just from kind of the, cultural aspect and, and giving to the community because um, we're trying to figure out how can we help? What can we do to kind of support other bars and, and bartenders during this time? Um, it's funny, I actually got banned from a, a subreddit uh, group during that time. Uh, it's the only time I've ever been banned from something like that. <laughs> right. I went to, yeah, it's funny because I went into a personal finance blog. I think it was actually uh, the personal finance subreddit. And I asked for help. I'm like, hey guys, here's the deal. I host a podcast on for bartenders. Uh, if there's anybody that's out there that would love to give some really good financial advice for people that work in this space and to give them ideas about how to make money or save money or what to do, hit me up. Like, I'd love to host you and I'd love to for you to give us some information because we're hurting. And they banned me for it. What? Why? Yeah. Was there a reason behind it or...? You know what? It, it was it was right in the beginning of the pandemic, like I said. So I think there was a lot of reactionary people in there, uh, and the rules of the group are very specific uh, that you can you can't solicit um, people's email addresses. You can't ask them for their email addresses. So I was like, I get it, man. I get it. That's one of your rules. But look at the big picture we're talking about here. Like, get your head out of the dirt 
I'm like, there's some things that are happening out there and you just can't live in your hole. Um, and they didn't, they didn't take it so well. So <laughs> I'm no longer allowed to be a part of, uh, uh, personal finance subreddit and i'm okay with that i'll be honest i'm okay with that they're a bit ruthless on reddit aren't they it's one of those channels where people are really they're quite harsh sometimes and yeah a little bit yeah a little bit but um you know as far as podcast guests there's there's been a, a some really phenomenal ones uh jennifer Callio of small hands food was on there um i think that was one of the longest podcasts i've had um it was like two two hours and we just had so much conversation around the culture of bar um i mean it, it was so wide you know some of the areas that we covered it was really interesting very dense um gosh i can't even think of them all um yeah i i, I honestly can't think i'm gonna have to look one up here hold on one second i think um the there was one uh beach bum berry um kind of the tiki legend the indiana jones of tiki um, he was probably one of the most fascinating podcasts that uh, I recorded because he's such a good storyteller. And he kind of really opened my eyes because I've kind of been pushing back against Tiki um, just because I'm classic cocktail. That's kind of my lane. That's where I stick with and I understand it. Um, but after the conversation with him, I realized that, you know, going back, Tiki was the first kind of craft cocktail movement after the prohibition. They were using fresh juices. They were making syrups. They were doing all the things that we're doing now, but, you know, seven years beforehand. And they really kind of pioneered craft cocktails and the stories he was able to tell. And, you know, just the imagery that he could put into a conversation were absolutely phenomenal. Um, that was probably one of my favorite podcasts. Um, and I would recommend, you know, everybody listening to that one. And most recently over the last year or so, um, we've really been focusing on, you know, amplifying, you know, voices that might not be heard in this space. Um, it's a big area of my uh, focus. Um, so I think over the last year, we've tried to really curate um, some phenomenal people and some phenomenal voices that might not be heard in a, in a cocktail channel, um, you know. So uh, yeah, yeah, definitely worth a listen. Well, it's going to be in the show notes, guys. So um, definitely go check it out. I, I, you know, I think one thing I love about um, the podcasting community is we're all very supportive of each other. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah, please go listen. Um, I think there's so much content in there, and there's obviously a lot to learn as well. Um, so other than the the sort of YouTube, you've also got the podcast, uh, both very strong channels. But you've also got your own uh, a bar above mixology certification program. So I'd love to hear about that and sort of, um, you know, what's involved in that, because it is a, a legit sort of certification. Um, and I'm sure there's like many modules and, and elements to it. But um, I mean, I'm sure we could figure out why you decided to do it. But can you tell us about maybe um, what it was like to create it and, and you know, how you decided on, on what the modules were? Yeah, absolutely. So this was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. You know, I've, I had the idea, this is when I started back in 2008, of really communicating kind of the structure of how to come up with um, new cocktails. Uh, and I was really having a hard time with it. Um, and like I said, there wasn't a lot of information and the information that was out there was very closely guarded. It wasn't something that was openly communicated um, in the bar scene, you know, when I, when I was starting 10 Bar. Um, so I was really having a hard time creating cocktails. Uh, a lot of it was, you know, accident. 
or just pure force, you know, dumping, you know, 12 cocktails down a drain until I figured it out. And, you know, I probably wasted cases of alcohol in this discovery process. Um, and then one day when I was behind the bar, um, I started reading um, Jerry Thomas's book um, from, you know, 18, whatever, and it clicked. I saw the patterns. I started to see kind of how cocktail, for lack of a better word, cocktail theory started to work out in cocktail families. And once I realized that, that kind of put the, the blueprint down, right? I, I understood how to kind of come up with cocktails on the fly. I could make a cocktail from scratch in seconds um, instead of, you know, just pouring cases of alcohol down the drain on accidents. Um, so once that happened, I really started to think about cocktails very differently. And um, that's when it all kind of started working and, and, and the idea of it started coming together. And, and I think we've all heard the, the term Mr. Potato Head cocktail. And it's kind of really illustrative of kind of the, the rudimentary stuff that happens within there. Um, so, you know, you have a whiskey sour, you take out the whiskey, you put in a gin, and it's still a good cocktail. Um, or you take out the syrup, the simple syrup, and you put in honey. You know, these are all very simple techniques that you can apply um, to achieve essentially what is a Mr. Potato Head cocktail. Um, so we break the mixology certification into a couple different components. One of it is truly understanding the ingredients that you're working with. And I mean, like deep level stuff. Um, so instead of, you know, acid is one component. So there's nine components to a cocktail, in my opinion. You have acid, you have sweet, um, you have alcohol, you have bitters, um, you have ice or um, emulsifiers like egg whites and stuff like that. You have glassware. Uh, you have a garnish, uh, and I think there's a couple other things. So those are the nine components of the cocktail. And we go into deep detail on each one of those nine components. Um, so for example, in the acid component, you have kind of the traditional acids that we use behind a bar. You have lime juice, you have lemon juice, you have orange juice, pineapple juice, cranberry juice. Those are kind of the essentials that you have from an acid perspective. But then even within that, you know, you have sugar content that you have to worry about and you have pH levels of the acid that you have to worry about. So we detail all that information, like lime has less sugar than a lemon, so it's a little bit more stringent and a little bit bitter, um, and oranges have much more sugar and less acid, so you have to compensate it for it in different ways. So we map all those out, and then we map out all the varietals of lemons, because a lemon isn't a lemon, as you know. You have you know, um, regular, what you would call a traditional lemon, and then you have all the other varietals. You have you know, Meyer lemons and you have Persian limes and you have kefir limes and they all have their own pH. They, they all have their own taste profiles that are different from what other people expect. So how do you plug those in? Um, and then how, what about refined acids? So this was before people started messing around with citric acids, malic acids and all tartaric acids and all that stuff in beverage programs. So then we go into detail about each one of those and how you would use them in a cocktail program. You know, even if you had a pineapple juice and you boosted it with citric acid, that's a very different experience than just pineapple juice. So that is just one module in, you know, the nine components that we talked about. And then we go into really deep detail on technique, um, you know, how to do different things, how to make a shrub, um, some of the levers that you can pull from a cocktail perspective. Um, so it's, it's a legitimate course um, and we've been, you know, mentioned in, in a lot of the online profiles from liquor.com to, you know, we're, we're, we're out there as far as one of the best resources out there. And uh, it's, 
it's intense. It's like nine weeks um, is what I would recommend you go through it. Um, and you have a final at the end where you have to go through a lot of the process and demonstrate, you know, what you're doing. And uh, a live person actually grades it. I was grading them for years. <laughs> so it's, um, it, it's, it's really intense. And I highly recommend anybody that wants to learn and accelerate their cocktail knowledge, um, whether you are a um, bartender looking to kind of make that next step up to lead bartender, bar manager, um, or if you're a home bartender that's really enthusiastic and wants to kind of learn these techniques and cut your learning curve down. Um, I haven't seen anything else like it, but I'm a little bit biased, I'll be honest. And how can people find the course? Um, head on over to barbove.com. I believe we also have another site called courses.barbove.com. And um, you'll find links to that there. Um, you could also look up mixology certification. I think we're one of the only uh, links up there uh, for that as well. And I guess leaning from that, you've also got um, the sort of bar tools, bar equipment um, sort of uh, showcase as well, or, or something you've started. Um, can you tell us more about that? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we started uh, producing bar tools, I think it was back in 2016. And it was because of frustration that I had as a buyer behind the bar. Um, there were some great bar tools out there at the, at the, at the time, but um, I also had a lot of frustrations with those bar tools as well. Um, so when I was buying, there wasn't a lot of bar tools on Amazon at that point. Um, and the bar tools that were out there, they didn't work. So for example, there was two Boston shakers on the market at that point, and they didn't actually work together. So you had like a 28 ounce and like an eight ounce top cup and it would sink into each other and it was just a mess. Um, so it was a frustration of mine not being able to get good bar equipment at a good price and good customer experience. Um, so then that's when we started our bar company. Um, and I think we were the third Boston shaker on the, on the market. And, you know, I had just, I had been consulting for a large liquor company at the time and my contract was running out in October. Um, the same month my son was being born, my first son was being born. Um, so I had a pregnant wife at home, no job at the end of my, uh, at, when he was going to be born. And so we launched and got the first round of products in in August and we we received them in September and we were already sold out. I think we got like 3,000 3, units and we sold out in a month. So we're like, okay, there's a need here. Um, so we leaned in really hard um, on that, you know, basically to help with the frustration that I had, but also necessity. You know, we were pivoting, we were looking for new ways to make money. The blog, as you may know, um, it's hard to make money on a blog, especially back then. Um, and podcasting is really hard to pay the bills um, and social media just is hard. So as you know, um, so then we started making physical bar tools and, you know, a lot of it was based off of my frustration behind the bars of inferior bar products. Um, so we take a lot of focus, a lot of detail um, on all the bar products that we do, for example, like our, our Boston shaker, um, you know, the, the weight on it is circle welded all the way around. So your the weight on the bottom is never going to fall off. Um, and we do a weighted unweighted shaker for egg whites because it creates a better seal and weighted weighted for you know speed. Um, so we we put a lot of focus and a lot of attention in improving a lot of the bar products out on the market um, based off of my frustration. Um, I think even our jigger has, I think it's the only jigger in the world um, that I know of. First of all, it's deadly accurate. Um, you know, we have very small tolerances on our jiggers um, from the factory. And we have every measurement from bar spoon 
and every quarter measurement all the way up to two ounces um, on our jiggers and they're all accurate. Um, so I think we're the only bar tool company that can say we do that, but that's kind of the level of care that we put in because in my opinion, you know, our focus is to um, be hospitable to the people that are in hospitality, because if you're in hospitality, there's not a lot of people that are looking out for you. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of brands and a lot of things that are really trying to help. Um, and they do a good job. A lot of brands do a good job. Um, but from our perspective, you know, living, breathing and being in hospitality and customer service, we take that same philosophy and apply it to bartenders and people in the industry. Um, and I think when we design a tool, that's our focus is to design the best tool. And that's where good customer service and good hospitality starts for us. So, you know, that's, that's kind of um, how we started and we've been very happy, very successful. And we're trying to just improve everything that we do. Um, you know, all the bar products that we produce are highly, highly thought out um, and cohesive. And uh, I think people would really enjoy them if they got them in their hands. Great stuff. Okay, perfect. And uh, once again, in the show notes, guys, you can go find all this. Um, so I'm actually uh, looking at your screen right now. I can see the video and I can see all these amazing bottles. It's a great back bar, it really is. And uh, I oh, always love um, when people come on, they've got the back bar behind them. I always ask, like, have you got anything like super special or interesting or, or something rare there that you kind of maybe want to share? I also see there's quite a lot of books as well. So is there any books you've been reading recently that you want to maybe uh, you know, tell people about? You know, it's funny. So um, I'm actually in my garage. Um, this is a filming studio that we have. Um, and uh, there, there's quite a lot behind me. Um, and there's definitely some a handful of bar product or bottles in here that are just amazing and really good uh, quality. Um, as far as the books go, um, and I, I, you can probably relate to this as well, is, you know, I love bartending. I love learning about cocktails and learning, you know, what people are doing and all that. But as a business owner and somebody that creates content, my ship, my, the information that I've pulled in now and the things that I concentrate on are more business and content creation and um, ownership stuff. Um, so unfortunately, you know, the, the bartending books, the things that I love have kind of fallen off to the wayside. Um, and I hate to say it, but I think the last book that I bought from uh, the space, this space was Minimalist Tiki. And if you haven't read that book and you're a tiki person or a rum aficionado, highly recommend it. It's a phenomenal read. Um, so yeah, Minimalist Tiki was the last one. So yeah, I'm a little bit embarrassed by that one, I'll be honest. Um, but as far as um, bar stuff that I have back here, um, I actually was chosen to help launch um, Roca Patron um, back when, uh, Patron Roca, I guess, um, back in the day when, it, when they first launched. So I have a full selection of uh, Patron spirits um, and it was a pretty amazing adventure when we went down there. They flew in 20 bartenders from, you know, I think we were the first wave that they ever opened up the distillery to again um, of bartenders. And the stories we have from that adventure were pretty epic. Um, yeah, I can imagine. So yeah, that was, yeah, it was pretty crazy. We were on a tour bus. Imagine this, you have 20 bartenders in a freaking tour bus, like purple lights, the whole nine yards, rolling through um, Mexico. Literally, whatever we wanted, we got, you know, so it was us taking just bottle shots out of, um, gosh, what was it? Grand Patron. I, and bottle after bottle after bottle, you know, like $1,500, $2,000 bottles or $2,000 uh, per bottle. And we were going through it like it was water. And it was just an amazing experience that we'll never get, be able to replicate again. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, we, 
I remember when we landed, we went to a bar, a restaurant bar, and it was like, you know, the, the capacity of the restaurant was like 300 people. It was insane. It was so big. Uh, we went there to have lunch or dinner, early dinner or something like that. And we literally took it over. We jumped behind the bar. We were making cocktails. We were setting them out. And I was watching some of the people, you know, the, the from Patron and just like scratching their heads. I'm like, what do you expect, man? We're a bunch of bartenders <laughs> and you're giving us almost a blank check. We're, we're going to see, we're just going to have a great time. And it, it was a really phenomenal experience. And it's not because we took advantage of the scenario. It's just because of the camaraderie and they actually were very hospitable to us. Um, so just from a nostalgia and memorabilia perspective, you know, um, say what you will about Patron and the product and your own feelings about it. Um, you know, that was a cool experience for me. Um, and as far as other stuff in the bar, I think, you know, a lot of the stuff that we, a lot of the stuff that we have here is, um, interesting and it's different, um, but it, it's pretty accessible stuff. So we do a lot of social media, um, you know, recipe posts and stuff. Um, chartreuse is always going to be one of my favorite spirits ever. Um, so green chartreuse is probably, you know, courses through my veins, um, so to say. Um, but yeah, there's some, some definitely some fun products. I think the most obscure thing I have is a product called Black Balsam. Um, and it is probably one of the driest, most bitter um, kind of liqueurs that I've ever been experienced. I'll see if I can find the bottle here. Um, I don't think I have it. But yeah, it's really hard to find. Um, and it's basically like a large format bitters, like Angostura. That's how dry it is. Um, but it's really uh, interesting. And I believe it definitely Eastern European. And there's a, oh, here it is. So Regus Black Balsam. Um, right. And the bottle is like a Geneva, old school Geneva bottle. Yeah, it is. Um, but this stuff is black, man. It is so dark. <laughs> right. <laughs> Have you found a use for it? Have you found a cocktail? Uh, actually, you know, just um, using it in place of bitters is really helpful. Um, so it can really amplify an old fashioned, for example, or a Manhattan. Um, you may have to add a little bit of sugar because it's just bone dry. Um, but it is a lot of fun to play with for sure. So Chris, it's also, um, I think I'd like to talk about um, being a content creator and you've been doing mm -hmm. it well over a decade now. And I guess you know the struggles of what it's like. And, you know, <laughs> there are so many people, I think COVID probably had a, a big impact on people being at home and wanting to get into content creation. And it yeah. is an up, uphill battle. And, uh, you know, you don't really, I think a lot of people don't realize that it, it takes a long time to build a large following and to be able to get the recognition and, and, you know, I'd like to really like hear from you and your thoughts on this. Maybe some words of wisdom to some people out there who are thinking of creating their own platform, their own channel, um, what you would suggest to them. Um, that's a really good question. I don't know if I have, you know, a lot of authority in there, but I do have kind of the experience that I have that I can talk to. Um, and that is really knowing your audience, knowing what they want to hear. Um, one of the things that we did pretty early on is created a Facebook community. Um, we actually have two. Um, the Craft Cocktail Club and the Craft Bartender uh, Club on Facebook. And I can send you links to both of those. But we ask, we listen, and we, we try to figure out what people actually want. Um, so when you're creating content, um, it's really important to not just talk. It's more important to listen. Um, you know, hear what people want to, want to know more about. Um, and be really intent in engaging with your audience. I think engagement is really 
um, really super important um, and interacting with your, your um, the people that are consuming your content um, is super, super helpful. There's, there's so much that goes into content creation that I, I don't know if you're not in content creation, you don't know how deep it goes. Um, as I'm sure, you know, with, even with audio setups, you know, we spent probably four or five years trying to figure out our audio because it just wasn't good. And we were just beating our heads against it. And if you're on YouTube and your audio is terrible, nobody's going to listen to you. Um, same thing with, you know, um, when we started getting podcasts, that was one of the feedbacks that we got uh, pretty early on is like, man, you guys need to step up your audio game. And it's so true. Um, so kind of know what's important on the platform that you're on um, is, is really helpful as well. But um, yeah, listening, I think is really important. Um, having a good story to tell um, is also really important. Um, be engaging, have fun, you know, have a good time. Um, but listen, I think that's, that's kind of the biggest thing is listen to what your audience wants to hear. Mm. Okay, good. Thank you, Chris. So mm -hmm. you've, I mean, what's going on your side of the world now? I mean, um, I think we talked earlier about things are sort of getting better and opening up, but you know, where you are in, in the States, what's the cocktail scene like now? What's, um, what's been trending? What's exciting? You know, I think um, we're all kind of licking our wounds from COVID. Um, and I think one of the things that we saw was the cream definitely rising to the top. The people that are really dedicated to this um, have stayed in the game. Um, and I think it's separated a lot of kind of the pack, um, so to speak. So um, I think the, the biggest thing is just people are out again and people are enjoying themselves. And there's almost like a vengeance out there. Like we lost two years of our lives to this thing. We're going to make up for lost time. And they're out there spending money and they're out there having cocktails and it's, it's great. And I think, um, you know, with the hospitality side, I think it's starting to get better, but I know hiring was a big thing, you know, finding people that really wanted to work um, was super challenging because of all the damage that happened during COVID and all of the, all the things that we went through as an industry was really hard and, and painful. Um, so I think that's another one. And I think one of the things that I really hope is a byproduct of COVID is one of the things that we know, we noticed is that um, people got really interested in cocktails. And I mean, not like I'm going to make a Long Island or something like that. Like they really got into craft cocktails. Um, and I think that in general, there was a large body of education around craft cocktails that were consumed during COVID. Um, so my hope and um, I've seen this a little bit, is that the awareness of what, it go, what goes into a good cocktail is a lot higher. Like they understand cocktails a lot more than they did pre-COVID. Um, so I'm hoping that that really helps kind of push us to the next stage of our recovery and development as an industry is like really leaning into this and, you know, people really understanding what we're trying to do and, and having, a, having a great time because man, I don't know about you, but I could, I could use an excuse to have a good time and have a party and be surrounded by really fun people right now. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> well, Chris, thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. It's been um, such a pleasure. And, um, you know, I really love everything you've done. You've been doing it so long and, and I think you've probably helped a lot of people along the way. So, you know, yeah, thanks so much. Um, just one final question maybe and, and anything else you want to wrap up on, but what are you, what are you drinking these days? What's your favorite cocktail? I'd love to hear that. 
You know, I'm kind of a sucker for just a Manhattan. I, I think I've I've run the spectrum as far as cocktails go, and this is probably something you hear from a lot of your guests. But honestly, um, just a beer, just a, <laughs> yeah. a beer, a nice glass of wine these days. Because um, you know, I was doing, gosh, a video a week for a long time, where I was talking a lot about that. I was doing, I have been doing, at least one or two cocktails every week for eight years like creating from scratch. Um, so I think as far as, as far as that goes, like I've, I've, I've spread my wings. I understand, you know, a lot about that. And I think now I'm just back to the basics, like cocktails are work for me. <laughs> <laughs> You're all cocktail. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Cause like, I'll make a cocktail. I'll make a Manhattan for myself as a treat, like, you know, um, a couple times a year. And I feel guilty for not taking a picture or like, getting on Instagram, we're like, there's like a lot of guilt around it. So for me, just like opening a nice bottle of wine with friends, having a beer, just relaxing, you know, I got two boys at home. Uh, so the, uh, the opportunities for cocktails these days are few and far between, but when we go out, I definitely love having some great, great drinks for sure. Brilliant. Chris, once again, thank you so much. And to all the audience, please check out the show notes. Go listen to his podcast. Um, go check out a bar above uh, the platform, the website, and also the YouTube channel. Uh, Chris, anything else you want to finish up on? No, I don't think so. I think, uh, you know, I really appreciate you um, inviting me onto the podcast. I love what you're doing. Um, and uh, I just appreciate being on this side of the mic for once. I'll be honest. <laughs> it's quite nice. Thank you very much, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, once again, stay safe. Thank you so much for listening to the show, guys. Uh, we are available on Spotify, iTunes, and all other major podcast providers. Your support helps my show grow, and I love you for listening. So thank you so much. If you want to be a part of it even more, please look at the show notes. You can find links to our Facebook group, The Beverage Network. You can also find links to my Patreon page where you can help the show grow even further with small donations. And you can also find my email where you can reach me anytime with any questions. You guys are amazing. I love this industry. Let's keep it growing. Thank you for listening to On The Bad Bar.